My name is Jeremy Devins and welcome to the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. And today's episode is all about preparing for a teacher training exam, which I have one coming up in my teacher training I'm hosting online and uh, people are a little freaked out and uh, that's common to get a little freaked out before a quiz. So I've created this episode if that's where you're at or if you're thinking about uh, doing a teacher training at some point and know there's going to be a quiz at the end as there often is some sort of certification exam. What are the essential things? What do you really need to be making sure you're learning and what's not essential? So I'm gonna cover some of the most essential things and I'm gonna walk you through a mini quiz that I created for you that you can get access to right now at quietmind.yoga slash 19 quiz, the number 19 and then Q-U-I-Z. So you'll get access to this free quiz and you can follow along and this will be kind of like a study guide and then you can test yourself at the end by doing the quiz and see how you do. And these are all things that I think are included in almost every teacher training. I've been a part of several, and I think these things are essential and they're very valuable to know for your own practice and for teaching others. So I'll cover all of those. There's 11 different topics and it's not comprehensive. Right? There's no way I could cover everything in 11 questions, but some of the main most essential things are here and uh, it'll get you on the right track to uh, getting all the main things. And of course, if you wanna learn all of that stuff, that's what my yoga teacher training is all about, and full immersion into what I call the 10 core competencies of teaching yoga, as I've talked about before on this podcast, and I teach in three phases. I'm gonna cover real broad highlights of all of those core competencies and phases with these questions. So I'm gonna get right into it. And again, you can follow along at quietmind.yoga slash 19 quiz. And there's a link in the show notes so you can go right to it if you want to. But I'm looking at the first question. So if you uh, enter your email, you'll get an email with this link to this page. And if you're not following along, that's fine. You can just listen. But if you wanna go back, you go to that page. But the first question is, what is the definition of yoga? And of course, this is an essential thing to have an answer to. And of course, there are many, many definitions of what this could mean. I like to always go back to the source text. What do the main text say? Where does this stuff come from? And of course, the word yoga means union or to unite. And it comes from the Sanskrit root yuj, which means to yoke. And there are other ways you could define it. But of course, that's the one that is closest to the source text and i say like uniting body breath and mind there's a lot of different ways you could say that but that's the definition of yoga closest to the source text i think and that's what i go with in my training is the answer so there's the answer to that and there's some other answers there uh, you know a stretching workout to do at the gym of course that could be a definition of yoga and that's totally valid but it's not quite what i teach and practice and maybe not you either could say it's just a practice of stretching the body and that's true right so that's kind of the thing about yoga it's there's a lot of definitions and a lot of things that are true about it but ultimately it comes from the sanskrit root huge meaning to yoke and it means uniting body breath and mind and in the old texts as i talked about in the source text of yoga episode they're talking about yoking a horse to a carriage things like that uh, and then eventually sort of the self to the true self so the next question is a picture of a teacher and he says, name this teacher, considered the father of modern yoga. And there's a couple options there. And the answer is T. Krishnamacharya. 
And as you've probably heard or studied, or maybe you don't know this, a lot of the styles of yoga as we know them today stem from the teachings of Krishnamacharya, who was born in 1888, not on the quiz, and died in 1988. So he lived 100 years, and he taught Iyengar, his son Dasyikachar, he taught Patabi Joyce, he taught Indra Devi, all these teachers who went out and taught Iyengar yoga, Vinyasa yoga, Ashtanga yoga, uh, Ashtanga Vinyasa yoga, which became Vinyasa yoga as we know it now. Iyengar, which in many ways evolves to Hatha yoga as we know it now. And his son Desikachar, uh, who taught similar style to uh, Krishnamacharya. And he went on to teach things like Vini yoga, which sort of permutated into uh, restorative, gentle, uh, adaptive Hatha yoga, things like that as we know them. So without Krishnamacharya, all that stuff would possibly have evolved in some way, but in many ways, he's considered the father of modern the father of modern yoga for his contributions of teaching these teachers these specific styles that were suited to them, and they went on to teach students in their style. And in my training, in my own approach, I aspire to be more like Krishnamacharya of adapting to my students and listening to them and, and seeing, okay, this person has this issue, how can I help that specific issue, which is going to be very different, right? Somebody who maybe has a fever and uh, uh, muscle aches and inflammation all over the high pits of dosha, if you know what that is, uh, versus somebody who's maybe uh, very scattered, anxious, worried, dry, um, digestive issues, they have a high vata dosha, it's going to be very different circumstances of how to approach working with those students. And that's how Krishnamacharya uh, would work with students. He'd very much personalize it to each student. And I think that's something that's extremely valuable. And for yourself, of being able to personalize your own practice to know that uh, doing just a yoga challenge of vinyasa every day for 60 days might sound like, you know, in our Western culture of pushing and doing more, and things like marathons and triathlons, it sounds like that's impressive. You can push yourself. But what are the consequences? And is that really in alignment for you? And is that really what your body needs? And at the end of it, you just get burned out and collapse and you have all these sort of issues and injuries, right? So is it really working for you in that case? And this is what I think yoga is meant to be as a practice for me is much more holistic and much more of how can we address the whole person and not just push ourselves uh, because it sounds good or because we want to challenge ourselves. And that's uh, Krishnamacharya's approach. Next question, uh, what yoga text was compiled around 200 BCE with 196 aphorisms about yoga practices and philosophy? Was it the Upanishads, the Yoga Sutra, or Light on Yoga? The answer is the Yoga Sutra or the Threads of Yoga. And this was uh, sometimes misunderstood. Of, uh, it was actually a compilation. It wasn't a completely original work, but a compilation of many of the teachings of yoga and yamas and niyamas, disciplines, restraints, practices up to that point by Patanjali, the author credited with the Yoga Sutra. There's a whole lot of sort of controversy of who that is or what that is, Patanjali. Uh, but anyway, the Yoga Sutra is the text that was considered, many many people consider the Bible of yoga. So this is very important to know uh, what this text is and when it was written, what's it, what's in it, and what it is. So it's the Yoga Sutra, 
and the Upanishads actually came before that, and uh, actually after that as well, because the Upanishads, uh, essentially, it means to sit near, as in to sit near a teacher, and they are distillations and sort of uh, examples and expressions of the Vedas, the source text of all of this stuff from 1700 BCE. And then, then the Upanishads started after that, and then the Yoga Sutra after that, and Light on Yoga way after that in the 1960s by BKS Iyengar, which was the sort of first real manual of posture, of asana. And asana, of course, is a huge part of any teacher training, very huge, but uh, in this particular quiz, uh, not a huge part of the quiz because I'm just touching a little bit of each sort of facet of yoga. So touching on the yoga history and philosophy here with this question. And you want to know some of the Yoga Sutra and actual what they are, and we'll discuss that in a question coming up here. The next uh, question is, which of these is not a traditional style of yoga? Hatha yoga, Ashtanga yoga, Bhakti yoga, Rocket yoga, and Mantra yoga. So even Ashtanga and Hatha could be a little bit more modern, especially Ashtanga, but uh, the answer there is rocket yoga is not a traditional style. It's a very modern permutation, and there's countless modern permutations of yoga, of course, as you know. Uh, but if you want to know, like, what what were some of the very first ones? Bhakti and mantra were really way back there. Like, devotion of bhakti was really the main practice of yoga for a long time, of doing rituals, of praying, and and sort of living in a way that was very intentional and in alignment with beliefs of gods and reincarnation and our actions and our karma and our doing. And then the Hatha Yoga is an evolution of that to be much more physical practice, to go from having a ritual of creating fires where you do these ceremonies and puja, where you do these fire ceremonies and keep a fire burning externally, to Hatha Yoga, which became much more about keeping an internal fire burning, the internal Agni, the digestive fire. The Agni is like metabolism. It's also mental clarity. It's also spirituality. It's it's that sort of internal innate fire. You could think of like the third chakra. So Hatha Yoga became much more about keeping that fire burning and things like bandhas to maintain that pressure and that heat inside and pranayama techniques and asana techniques all to do that and ashtanga is an evolution of that as well but at this point uh, i would consider ashtanga a more traditional style really anything from you know, 50 40 50 years ago or so i would consider a little more traditional compared to what we have now and but again ashtanga is relatively new in the scheme of things but that's the answer I give there. Raka yoga is definitely not a traditional style of yoga. It's a much more modern permutation. And it is important to know, like, what is, you know, there's so much debate about like, what is yoga? This isn't yoga. That's not yoga. It's like, really, I think it all is. And it's, if, it's, if it works, then great. If it's a valid path for you, then great. And if it's a valid path for your students, then great. But you want to be very clear as a teacher to be able to guide people of like, you know, rocket yoga is just a modern permutation that people enjoy. And goat yoga and beer yoga and wine yoga and all this stuff that's coming up now and even like yin yoga is a more modern permutation of things there's you know debate on that as well there's old in yin practices and yin aspects 
but really is a distilled practice. It's fairly new. Restorative yoga, fairly new. And moving on to which of the following are examples of the five movements of the spine? Adduction and abduction, flexion and extension, protraction and retraction, elevation and depression. Right, so this is where we're getting into the anatomy of things. And if you don't know what any of those words I just said are, then you definitely want to study some anatomy. Uh, and a good place to start to look at is the um, anatomy coloring book. There's actually a yoga anatomy coloring book where you can see the postures and what's happening there. And the app Complete Anatomy, which is a more significant, it's like 50 bucks, I think, for the first year. Uh, it's a little more costly, but it is a great way to see that stuff. But really, ultimately, having a teacher to show you how to apply anatomy is what I needed to really understand it. So the way I teach it is basically everything starts from anatomic neutral. And then there's a lot of pairs of movements that you can do. There's other ways that not everything is in a pair, but almost everything is in a pair. Forward and back, left and right, uh, twisting left and right, things like that. In this case, uh, we're talking about the five movements of the spine. So there's two, uh, there's, there's this pair of movements, flexion and extension. These, these two movements, basically forward flexion and extension is lengthening the spine. So those are two of the five movements of the spine. The other movements I, I give are abduction and adduction. That's something the shoulders and the legs do. Protraction and retraction. That's something the shoulders do and the neck does. And there's different areas of the body that also do these movements, but in general, and elevation and depression, that's another shoulder movement. But flexion and extension is primarily a spinal movement, but it also happens in the wrists and the knees and other places. But in this case, it is one of the five movements of the spine, or two of the five movements of the spine. So that's that for the anatomy. And uh, that's stuff that I love getting into because I didn't understand it for a long time. And it does take some time to, to get into it, uh, but it's a huge part of my training uh, because I think it makes you really stand out as a teacher when you understand the movements of anatomy then you understand everything in the postures every posture it's like just some combination of these movements some combination of flexion and rotation and lateral flexion adduction right? every posture is just some combination of these movements and the next question is what are the eight limbs of yoga again covering the philosophy and history and origins of yoga and I'll just go into the answer here. Yama, Niyama, Asana, Pranayama, Pratyahara, Dharana, Dhyana, Samadhi. So real important stuff to know and to study for yourself. Uh, just knowing the eight limbs of yoga, that Asana is not the first one. Asana is not the only one. And there's this whole system of practice to essentially get to this state of Samadhi, which one of my teachers would say it's not the actual end goal, but actually the beginning. Samadhi is just the beginning. And then the practice now becomes something you get to live out and act from that place, that state that you've cultivated in your life. Uh, but to not get too deep into the weeds there, that is the answer to that question. And it is important to understand that. The one thing that I've tripped up on the past uh, is uh, dharana and dhyana. And I would remember that because the R is before the Y. So dharana, so R, and then dhyana is a Y. So the R alphabetically is before the Y, and then in the eight limbs it's before the Y. So that's a little helpful memorization technique. 
And then for the yamas and niyamas, I would memorize them on my hands. So there's five yamas and five niyamas. So I would just memorize on my left hand, uh, you know, if you want to memorize the actual five yamas and five niyamas, which I don't have on this particular quiz, but I do talk about a little bit on the full quiz that I give to my students. Uh, and you might get that on a quiz that you do. So a helpful way to memorize that is just use your hands. So on your left hand, you might uh, memorize the five yamas, right? Ahimsa, Satya, Asteya, Brahmacharya, Aparigraha. And I've got it, I've done it so many times that it's just there in my head, right? So that's a helpful tool that you could use to memorize that. The next one is what is the correct Sanskrit term for alternate nostril breathing? So this is covering the energetic anatomy aspect, the core competency of yoga that I teach about. And the answer is Nadi Shodhana, not Kapalabhati or Kumbhaka. All right, so. I put some, I like to put little things to kind of get you thinking of like, hmm, is that right? If, you know, if you don't quite have it, if you just heard a different, few different pranayama terms, it might get a little mixed up in there. But Nadi Shodhana, Nadi is the energy channels, and Shodhana means cleansing, cleansing the energy channels of the body, or commonly referred to as alternate nostril breathing, one of the best practices to have, uh, to know for yourself, to regulate your own nervous system, but also to know to teach students. Another anatomy question, what fluid is known for lubricating joints and nourishing articular cartilage? And the answer is synovial fluid. And it's important to understand how synovial fluid works, how it lubricates the joints. Essentially, it's use it or lose it. And uh, it's, it's something that makes the joints work well, but can also lead to other issues if there is not a proper movement of the fluid or some sort of injury, things like that. The next question is, what does the Yoga Sutra, Yoga Chitta Vritti Narodaha, roughly translate to? And the answer is, the ceasing of the fluctuations of the mind is yoga, which is where I get my name for my business, Quiet Mind Yoga, from that sutra. And uh, that's an important one to know. So that's, in if you understand, if you know about the sutra sort of method of teaching, uh, the the most important thing would be put first. Because a lot of this was passed down orally, mouth to mouth, like teacher to student, so you, not mouth to mouth, that's not right. <laughs> uh, mouth to ear, teacher to student. Uh, so you'd pass down these teachings and you'd want the most important thing to be up front. So if you don't get the rest and if you don't come back to class the next day because you're like, damn, this yoga stuff is hard. Uh, you know the main thing, at least, the most important teaching, yoga is chitta vritti narodaha. That's what yoga is. And uh, everything after that in the sutra is a distillation and expounding on that. A little side note, there's, we don't they don't pluralize in Sanskrit the same way we do in English. So it's not sutras, just like it's not fishes. It's just sutra. Sutra is a singular and plural just like asana is the singular and plural. And uh, that's how you can know if somebody studied Sanskrit much and they throw out some asanas and sutras. Uh, but I've done it too. It's just like, it's so easy embedded in our language to add the S to pluralize something, but that's not actually how it's done in Sanskrit. So uh, it's just something to be aware of. Not something on the test, but something I make sure to ingrain in the students I work with and my teachers definitely reminded me a lot. The next one is a picture to name a pose. 
And that pose is Chaturanga Dandasana, one of the most common poses in modern yoga, so good to know, and just to identify poses in general. Again, this is a really short mini quiz. This is not comprehensive to cover everything, but just to test uh, some a sort of diverse range of skills and awareness in your own teaching and things that will likely come up in a teacher training quiz. And the last one, the science of life, a medical and holistic approach to diet and lifestyle is known as Ayurveda. Ayur, this is life. Veda is wisdom and the wisdom of life or the science of life or the science of life extension is sometimes called. And that is the sister science of yoga, which is very much embedded in yoga and uh, Understanding them together is so important. Understanding yourself holistically, your body, mind, and breath, how it all works together, and the the gunas, and the doshas, and the different types of people, as I mentioned before, the different doshas. When you understand that, you see energy in a totally new way. So Ayurveda is very important, and you want to make sure your teacher training includes some teaching on that. It's very important to understanding everything we do in yoga. And you are gonna, if you want to be an effective teacher who can personalize the practice to each student, rather than just teaching sort of a generalized, all levels, general class for everybody, uh, like a group fitness thing, then you, then you do want to learn how to personalize things with things like Ayurveda, the doshas, the gunas, and things we talked about here, understanding anatomy, understanding the philosophy and history of yoga, of course, I did not cover everything, but this is a nice general overview. And go test yourself. Go to aquietmind.yoga slash 19 quiz, and you can do this quiz yourself. I recommend just without re-listening, just go and try it out and test your knowledge. And if you're like, oh, I did not remember this thing, or this thing is not clear, I don't know what he's talking about here, just Google the term. So all this stuff, Wikipedia has awesome entries on it. It's a great place to start. My teacher training, of course, is very thorough in depth on all of this stuff, and I make sure that you're testing your knowledge and you're applying your knowledge, so you're learning this stuff. But a Google search can definitely help you out and just come back to this episode and review what I talked about with each of these questions. And of course, keep listening, so I'll keep sharing more about these topics in the many, many episodes to come. And if you have any particular things you'd like to see in this podcast, let me know if you're in teacher training or considering one or inning one. I'd love to hear you know, what questions are coming up for you, what successes or challenges you have. Find me on Instagram at jeremy.quietmind or send me a message at jeremy at quietmind.yoga is my, my email address, jeremy at quietmind.yoga. Or uh, just follow this podcast and leave a review, share it with a friend. Uh, That all helps a lot. So thank you for listening and hope you have a great rest of your week. I hope you enjoy this quiz and I look forward to sharing more with you soon here on the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. Be sure to check out my other podcast, Quiet Mind Yoga for weekly yoga practices you can do anytime, anywhere, and the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast to learn all about the other sister science of yoga, Vedic Astrology. All right, thanks for listening.